history of the Samaritans. Okay? Now, if you were down in Sunday school, you guys can zone out. We dug into the history of what the Samaritans were. Did you know that Jesus could have taken multiple routes on his trip up? He could have taken many of ways. So Jesus has now left Judah and is headed towards Galilee. So he's heading up north. Okay? So do you have the map? All right, they're getting the map. Okay. So Jesus, right here, is heading up, okay? There, most people believe there are three paths he could have taken, okay? He could have uh, went more coastline because it's much more trade. It's much more, you know, much more safe. Could have gone the coastline. He could have crossed the River of Jordan, you know, and gone around and missed, you know, Samaria. Or he could have gone right where he's going, going with the purpose right to the middle where he will hit Jacob's well, and so, as Wearsby puts it on this journey, he points out that Orthodox Jews avoided Samaria because there was a long-standing, deep-seated hatred between them and the Samaritans. So the Samaritans were up north, and there was a time of Assyrian captivity of the ten, tri- ten northern tribes. The issue came from the fact that they intermarried and they were intermingled with others outside of the Jewish faith. So they had been pulled out, and then as we read in Sunday school, they had sort of come back to Jerusalem and were wanting to be part of things, but also bring some of what they had brought back with them. And the Jewish people said, no, you are not bringing anything back. We are not, we are not connecting. We are not this way. And that is throughout time. And so what they basically split off. So Samaria and the Samaritans believed in the Torah. They were, in the, they were big into the five books, but they did not take anything else what the prophets said. They didn't really take anything else of that. And they even switched the Torah around a little bit uh, in some instances. But they, they ended up building their own mount, their own religious temple in Mount Gerizim. Make sure I say that correctly. They had their own religious services and practices. It was so, there was so much hatred between the Samaritans and Jewish Pharisees that Wearsby points out that this is what the Pharisees would even quote about them. They prayed that no Samaritan would be raised in the resurrection. Okay. They prayed that no Samaritan would be raised in the resurrection. This is even backed up in other parts of Scripture and uh, talking about the Good Samaritan story. But did you know that when Jesus' enemies wanted to insult him, they called him a Samaritan? John 8, 48 says this, The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? Okay. There's hatred here. You are putting them on a level of demon possession. You are putting them on the same level. There is, this, there is this divide here. The Samaritans and the Jewish people are not walking hand in hand. Now you have to think about John and, the, and what he's writing through the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 3, 
Jesus just had an interaction with who? Nicodemus. With an upstanding, moral Jewish man. Now, in John chapter 4, he is going to be witnessing and professing to who he is to an immoral Samaritan woman. If you don't notice the difference, you are missing the context of the scripture. Jesus is going to make an impact not just with this woman, but with an entire town that she lives in. I did want to add that there are some dealings between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. You can tell that in that if the reading that that we did today, that even the disciples go into town. So there is some connection. It's also been noted that if you were a Jew heading north, that the Samaritans were a little bit nicer to you. Why was that? Because you were heading towards their temple. But if you were north, heading south, there was a little bit more conflict. There was this hatred. There was this this disdain. And that's what we're walking into when we walk into Jesus dealing with the Samaritan woman. And that's going to be the main point, and that leads to point number two. Don't miss Jesus. Don't miss Jesus. And here we go. Jesus meets this woman at Jacob's well. And right away, this woman is trying to read what Jesus is doing. Because this is not a normal situation. A Jewish rabbi would not be seen in that time and in this era to be seen publicly speaking to a strange woman. You can even see that in our culture today. Have you ever had weird interactions? Have you ever had a parent talk way too much to uh, like a hostess or a restaurant owner where it embarrasses you? Because if you haven't, I have. Like, have you ever had those awkward conversations where you're like, where is this going? I don't, this doesn't make sense. That happened to me a lot when I was younger. My dad never met anyone he wasn't a friend with, even if they didn't want to be a friend or not. And so I was always there. And so sometimes my wife now feels the same way because she's like, you know so many people. And I was like, I'm just trying to talk. But also it's like, it can be awkward. It can be weird. It's like, okay, because I don't know them. I don't know. this This is awkward on a whole nother level. And it all starts with a simple question, asking for a drink of water. When you see this conversation, and we're going to dive right into it, you can tell right away the Samaritan woman is processing this conversation going one way, and Jesus is on another path. They're having two different conversations. I think that demonstrates our own lives so much today. We miss Jesus. Let's take an example. Like So many of us, when we hear the word blessing, I think so many people take the word blessing and be like, okay, things go well for my life. Uh, I have enough to, for a home, a nice uh, for a car. But what, maybe Jesus' blessing is something totally different. Okay, This is the way the conversation starts with this woman. She sees Jesus asking for this drink of water, what this is, and Jesus is on a whole different conversation. We cannot miss Jesus. Don't miss Jesus. So let's dive in. Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, 
You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? As Wearsby points out, he says, Jesus pointed out to her that she was ignorant of three important facts. Who he was, what he had to offer, and how she could receive it. Here was eternal God speaking to her, offering her eternal life. And the Samaritans were as blind as the Jews. But our Lord's words had aroused her interest. So she pursued the, uh, the conversation. Let's continue in verse 12. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the, the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't be thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. The woman, the Samaritan woman, is all about how she can get this water because she doesn't want to work anymore. She wants this water because she doesn't have to go to the well anymore. She's like, yeah, give it to me. To be honest, we look at her and think, how could she miss Jesus? How could, we, how could she miss this? And I'll tell you the same thing. I'd miss him. I think a lot of us would miss him. We miss Jesus all the time. We partmentalize our lives. We put different areas that, that Jesus is in part of this area, or Jesus is part of that area. Or, you know, I have this part. Work is mine. Don't miss Jesus. As Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, John is showing great symbolism of how Jesus is more significant, more valuable than anything and everything. This is described as Jesus is more excellent than Jacob himself. And at the same time, Jesus is greater than the water that is coming from Jacob's well. He's laying out the fact that everyone that pursues the things of the world and things that the world has to offer will continue to be thirsty. How many of you have gone after things of the world and have been left thirsty? When I was a little kid, I collected baseball and basketball cards. I loved them. I collected them. I kept them. I was like, that was what I did as a kid. You know, although they, uh, even other kids would take their baseball cards and put them uh, between their, uh, like, bikes so you would hear them. I was like, no, those will be valuable someday. You got to keep your cards. You got to keep them safe. You got to keep them in your room. What do they bring me? <laughs> like, that was valuable to me. And then it, when I was a little bit older, I got really into movies. And I liked movies, and I liked collecting DVDs and, like, hey, having, like, good movies. I like the Batman movies or whatever. I was like, oh, that's, that's great, and, and have those. But it always left me thirsty for more because there's always another basketball card to get or baseball card to get, or there's always another movie coming out, or there's always something else coming out. What is that for you? 
What is that in your life that there is something that you've always pursued or always went after that always left you wanting more, wanting more? Because here's the shocking thing is even with water and food, it nourishes you, right? But you still need more. You still have to always, at some day, after seven days without thirst or something to drink, your body starts shutting down. 30 days with food. At some point, you need that nourishment. Jesus is talking on a whole different level than where she's at. She's thinking in the now. It is so easy to fall into that cycle. We have believing loyalty, but as the world goes, if we miss Jesus, if we aren't reading the Bible, if we aren't praying, or we aren't being discipled, and we become thirsty for the things that are not of God, that is when we get in trouble. Because we start becoming thirsty for other things. We pursue things that are not of God. We do not rest in God. We do not seek God. And as we read in verses 13 and 14, it shows the water that Jesus is giving, the living water, will make you thirsty no more. We must be with him. If we are where we're supposed to be, we are with God. Nothing else matters. God is sufficient. God will provide. God will give us rest. The problem is, is we think God should come alongside us and we will use him to get those things. The thing is, and I want you to realize that he is those things. He is the rest. He is the blessing. He is the truth. Don't miss Jesus. Let's continue. As as you can continue to tell, as you are reading this passage, she doesn't have it yet, but she is processing it. How many times uh, are people in our lives that are walking along this and you're like, why won't they just get it? Why don't they just get it? Well, this lady doesn't get it. She's right here with Jesus. She's, she's it's still processing. We have to, to, they might not get it yet, but we still have to live alongside. Let's look at verse 16. Jesus continues and he, he tells her this. So she just asked for the, the living water and he goes, he told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that this place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. There are two things happening right now. There are two things that are really going on. One, God is revealing a sensitive, dark, sinful, ungodly issue. And you must know to deal and be close with the holy God, you have to deal with your sin. You have to deal with your sin. She is, he's calling this out. The prophet is calling out. He didn't go, I love you. He's call, he knows what's going on. And the second part is, did you notice how she can realize who she is a little bit because she calls him prophet, starting to even take more steps, but then automatically changes the subject back to a Samaritan and Jewish issue. How many of us, when we are convicted or have issues, do we change the subject? 
I know I do, especially if I'm in an argument with my wife. Have you ever been like, I'm going to switch it? Yeah, but hey, how is work today? <laughs> or just try to switch it. You try to maneuver, outmaneuver the, the questions. If you're late for work, you try to change the subject. To, oh, yeah, my, my, ta my car got, you know, hit. I did 360. I had to take a little bit of a breather. You know, I just wanted to, hey, can we take a look at your car? No, no, we're good. I had to get it taken to the shop. You know, like all of a sudden you're either lying or you're trying to avoid actually dealing with the issue. She had just been called out and now she didn't want to deal with it. And I believe there are a lot of people out there that will acknowledge Jesus as a prophet. They might even not acknowledge Jesus as a good guy. They might even acknowledge that Jesus is possibly the Son of God. But there's also the process of actually drinking from him. Don't miss Jesus. Let's take another look at a conversation that Jesus has in the Bible. Mark 10, 17 through 27. Mark 10, 17 through 27 the rich young ruler. It says this, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your mother or father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. This is where I believe America is and is at today. They can see the glass of water. They can see it. They can recognize it. They can smell it. Lack of smell. They can perceive it, look at it, know that it's there, but not drink of it. They can look and be like, oh yeah, that plays a part into it. That plays a part into it. But this is what America's really good at. They start adding different cups to it. They start adding more things to the view. They even add things that don't make sense. And all of a sudden, we are pursuing things that are not living water, that might have other stuff in it, but we, they get lost. They get confused, and you're like, how many of us in the world today see, see things that don't make sense, but people are drinking from it? People are drinking from it, and they believe that is giving them life. It's actually giving them death. And it might be a cup that's even close. It's close. Like, oh, yeah, I go to church, I do that, but it's close. But it's not the living water. You can recognize, you can look at it. You can even see the true water. You can actually see the water that actually is the living water. You can actually recognize it, but never drink of it. 
That's where America's at. We've decided to see even Jesus. We even know, but we're not going to drink of it. The difference is, is this. You drink of it. Good, my throat was parched anyway. It's different when you drink of it. The problem is, is other people are drinking from other things and they want to hide it. And that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to hide the living water. Don't miss Jesus. We can get caught up into doing good things, to even knowing good things, but do not miss Jesus. Don't miss Jesus. Now, even though she did switch over to a new argument, her intrigue is still in the conversation. She's still dialoguing. Now, as I said earlier, the Samaritans had a true belief in the Torah. But they changed some of the scripture around, but they also acknowledged that there would be a new Messiah coming. The Samaritans even believed that. His name was Tahib, which means to restore or to return. The Tahib and Samaritan culture does have a vast difference, uh, of, but they do have some similarities. And it, it is stated here that this, this is what the Samaritans believe. They, they start with the apocalypse called the day of vengeance will be the end of days when a figure called the Tahib, essentially the Samaritan equivalent of the Jewish Messiah, from the tribe of Joseph will come be like a prophet Moses for 40 years and bring the return of all the Israelites, following which the dead will be resurrected. The Tahib will then discover the tent of Moses' tabernacle on Mount Gerizim and will be buried because this prophet will die, or this Messiah will die next to Joseph when he dies. And it's even been discovered, and some believe, that the Tahib was to bring water to the land. Hmm. Why Jesus would use living water would not be so shocking then. In verse 25, the woman says that she knows that the Messiah is coming and will explain things to us. And in verse 26, this is what Jesus says. I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just so you know, Jesus declared he's the Messiah. There's a lot of times people will look throughout the scripture and they're like, oh, he doesn't clearly say. No, Jesus clearly says. And uh, in two weeks, we are going to go through a lot of the I am's and what Jesus is laying down here, the gauntlet. But he is saying, I am the Messiah. I am the one, the one that you have and are looking for. He lays the gauntlet down. And no matter what your neighbor or other people think or say, Jesus has laid it out there to the world that he is the Messiah, that he is the only living cup. And at this point, we could do a whole nother sermon because the disciples come back and are super confused by what's happening. The disciples are confused. All I will say is, for those little minutes, the disciples forgot who Jesus is. They went back to who he was in Jewish Samaritan culture. They forgot 
who Jesus is. Jesus is the Messiah. He's coming to restore the nations. He's coming to save people. He's coming. And even in those minutes, they're confused. They're like, why is he talking to this woman? Why is he talking to the Samaritan? This is confusing. This is, this is awkward. And they, too, missed Jesus. They missed who he really was. Not just the physical body, but everything, this essence of what he was. Don't miss that. Jesus knows his mission. And with this, the woman goes to town. Now, you have to imagine, too, that this woman going into town is a little bit different. She's had five husbands. Why were there no other women with her when she was out there doing water at the well? Maybe some of the women didn't want to hang out with her because they knew they might take someone else's husband. Or they might not trust her. She, she clearly had an audience where she could get to people. She probably had some friends. She probably had some people to go to. But you have to process this. She's going into town saying that there's this Messiah out there. There's someone that says, knows all this stuff about me. Let's go. And the town came out. And in verse 39, it talks about how many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Her testimony made an impact. Do you know that your testimony makes an impact? And here's the thing, though. And I'll tell you this. When she talked, she talked of what Jesus did, not what she did. She talks about how he told me everything that I had done in my past. It was focused on Jesus, not her. She didn't miss Jesus. She saw him for who he was, the living water. And the town believed. We, too, have to focus on what Jesus does. We need to praise Jesus. The people then asked Jesus to stay. He stayed for two extra days, and because of his words, many more believed. Verse 42 is a great way to end. It says this, The people who became believers are talking to the woman, and this is what they say. We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man is the Savior of the world. Just so you know, Jesus is the living water. Don't miss that. Don't miss Jesus in this life we are given. We are called to tell the good news. And at some point, the people will either have to hear and ask for themselves, do I drink the living water or not? The problem today is many people aren't seeing this. They see this big, clunky thing. They say, this is what's going to identify me. This will, this will give me the rest. This will, I know who my identity is then. Or it's this, or something else. I wanna, I'm going to be a little bit different, but I'm going to be closer just enough. Or I feel like i got to earn my way. This is a coffee cup so that I got because our church loves coffee, and I need, a, I need to move faster. I need to do more. Because if I do more, then God loves me more. They're, they're all empty. There ain't nothing coming from there. The problem is, is we need to drink of the water. We need to not miss Jesus. 
and what Jesus has done in our lives. And here's the thing. We need to give this to others. We need to give the living water. We cannot be like, oh, just God, come back and just take care of everything. No, we are on a mission. We are on a mission for thirsty people. There are people that are drinking this and they are dehydrated. They got nothing left. We need to give them Jesus. We cannot miss Jesus. And the problem is, is when we get distracted or we go off, off the different way, that gives reasons and excuses for people to miss him. I pray that we don't. Jesus went to enemy territory and now has people spending eternity forever in his presence. He went to enemy territory. Many of us see other people as the enemy. We see people that don't believe in Jesus as the enemy. No, they're thirsty. They're thirsty and we're supposed to love them just like the Good Samaritan. Another good story. We're supposed to love them and show them and provide from them. And what we do is give them actual living water. We are called to love our believing family, to love our neighbors, and to love our enemies. In enemy territory, they didn't miss who Jesus was. I pray that we do not miss who Jesus says who Jesus says in our lives. He's our provider, he's our comforter, he's our sustainer, he is our hope, and he is our trust. Not things of this world, not even water itself. I pray that in each individual family situation, in each work situation, and maybe each of your leisure time, you too don't miss what Jesus is doing there. So many of us see as our coworker, as someone that is causing issues and stress, they need the living water. At home, you have family members that don't believe the same. There may be extended family that are against you and all that. No, they need the living water. Don't miss Jesus. They need it. You will never have a September 17th, 2023 again. There's only one of these days. Don't miss what Jesus is doing in your life. Let us pray. There any Father, I thank you so much for who you are. As we worship you, May we just be in your presence. May we not miss you. Maybe just maybe it's just basking in your glow, your your power, your your mighty, your glory. May we just honor your name through the singing with our words. May we may we come to the altar. May we sit down. May what we do is we just not miss you and move on to the next thing. I got this to do. I got this to do. May we just be with you. And as we go out, may we know what the living water is and provide it to other people. Thank you for going in enemy territory. Thank you for saving Gentiles. Thank you for saving other people because if not, my salvation would not be here. I praise your name. I thank you for going out to all the nations. May we not stop with that. May we continue it. May it overflow with our lives. We love and praise you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.